and welcome to the new podcast that Jake Perry and I started, the Fantasy Odds Cast, with your new co-host Jake Perry and myself, AJ Desai. Jake, how's it going, man? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing really good, dude. I'd do better if the Bears were actually a better team. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? So what's going on with them, man? Um, our offense looks like it's a bunch of high schoolers that are playing football. No. Um, uh, honestly, it's just there's clearly a disconnect in, in the offense. The line actually played decent and Foles was off, which is it was the one time that we really couldn't afford that to happen. And it just overall was just a super disappointing game. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't really, you know, blame Foles for that throw to Anthony Miller. I think Anthony Miller has got to make that play. You know, I mean, I don't care if people yeah. say that if that throw was behind. You're in the NFL. You're a multi-million dollar athlete. Like, granted, Miller is still on his rookie rookie deal, but he's still making two to three million dollars a year. You, you're expected to make that play and fall forward for the first down, but instead, it's tipped. And you gave the opportunity for the Vikings to score a touchdown after that Harrison Smith interception. So, um, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, w- yeah, I, I again, I went back and watched a lot of the film from the game, and I admit that Foles didn't look that good. Um, but also, I, we were just clearly out coached. You know, this is a Vikings defense that was giving up over 400 yards a game. We didn't even break 150 yards of total offense against them. Um, it was it was clear that we were just out out schemed from the get. Um, when you have guys like Anthony or uh, guys like Miller, you have guys like Allen Robinson, you guys guys like Darnell Mooney, and they're just being clamped the entire night. It's going to make it hard for any quarterback. That being said, you know I don't think Foles really has the skill set to do anything crazy. Um, but we were also, if you just watch the game, there was a, a lot of things that were just super obvious. Like when we can't scheme against a you know a five man rush that's happening, five or six man rush that's happening every single third down. You know, it's just there was just a, a very clear breakdown given it's it's Lazor's first game calling plays with us. But it was just uh, it wasn't a great showing. Yeah, like I, uh, to be honest, on Monday night, it, it was just, you know, like every time on third down, the Vikings brought like you mentioned five or six. Um, one of them got through and Nick Foles was on the ground. I think he got sacked twice for 16 yards. And I think there was like this uh, weird named um, defensive end, Wanamanu, I think his name is. I, I could be wrong, but um, I just glanced at his jersey and I just said, Wanamanu with the sack. And I'm like, great um, on that day. So, I mean, you know, it just seems like this offensive line is the root of the issue and I feel like if we fixed it, then I think we, we would see better play calls um, actually than what we saw in 2018. Is that correct or a little? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the offensive line for the most part played pretty well. Um, it, he wasn't getting you know overly pressured. It wasn't a game where they were clearly outmanned like we've seen a couple of times this yeah. year. I think they did a fairly decent job, all things considered. I think the scheme was just there was a couple like baffling play calls like on one of those those third down blitzes. Um, where Foles just has four dudes in his face. Everybody was running a deep route. There was not a single short option that was run on the field. So, you know, he basically had the line had to hold up on that play. So he had no other option but to take the sack. You know, there's definitely some times this year where we've seen where he's, you know, he's he's not a fast guy. He's not going to make things happen with his legs. And when he has the, the time in the pocket, he can, you know, he can get some stuff done. But, you know, I our root cause our root issue is the offensive line. Um, also, have the lack of a true running back this game definitely hurt. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where, 
it was just a bad week to be bad at football because that was a completely winnable game. The Vikings were they were decent, they but nobody was really going that crazy. You know, Justin Jefferson obviously had eight catches for 135 yards. He's one of the top two highest rated receivers in on PFF this year. But we we shut Dalvin Cook down for the most part. Yeah, he had almost 100 yards, but that was on 30 carries. We held him to 16 yards on four catches. Um, Thielen had the two touchdowns, but it's not like he was really, you know, he's, he wasn't getting, you know, chunk plays or burning anybody like that. Obviously, you know, screen was covering for most of the game. But, you know, this was a this was arguably the most winnable game that we've had in weeks if our offense did something. Yeah, something or better than nothing, right? I mean, I thought that if they just like put like 10% of it on the table, I think they could have easily put up like, you know, uh, at least 21 points than what they have been doing the last couple of weeks. So, um, well, not the last couple of weeks, the first um, couple of weeks of the season, you know, against the Lions, the Giants, and the Falcons. If they can try to put up those number of points, they can win games. But um, with an exceptional week, too, that would, they just scored 17 points. But if they can get into that, you know, 27 to 29 range, well, it's kind of looking unlikely for the season for them to get to that average now because they are only averaging like 18 points a game on offense which is kind of which is terrible but um still better than the jets still better than the jets that's right but um the main point is you just need to be able to um like on monday it's just like I'm trying to go through my thought right now, and, and like I'm just having flashbacks of like you know Ryan Nall, Cordell Patterson in the background and in the backfield, and I don't know if that's gonna work. Like if you're if you have Artavius Pierce and Lamar Miller just chilling there on the sideline. Yeah, I mean I think it's pretty clear at this point that Cordell Patterson is not a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got what it takes to return kicks. And obviously, you know, he tied the NFL record for career kick returns this week. So obviously that was huge for him. Um, But he's not a running back. You know, even when he put in college, he was a wide receiver. Um, I know um, there were some talks about um, him playing corner in the NFL, even coming out of the draft. There were some who didn't trust his route running stock. And he's never even been that, you know, he's never put up standout numbers as a receiver in the NFL either. So, you know, running back was obviously, you know, something that it seemed like it might work. You know, I was super excited when it was first announced that we were going to try it, but it's it's clearly not working. I mean, if you look, our if you look at the drives from the first or from the start of the second half, first drive, where not counting the the kick return, obviously, um, we have the muff punt by Deontay Harris or uh, uh, Dwayne Harris, sorry, um, the muff punt that's recovered. So that was a drive that didn't even happen. Three plays, three yards. Three plays, zero yards. Three plays, negative five yards. Three plays, five yards. You know, we, you, you have to be able to make something happen. You know, we can't, we can't call ourselves an NFL franchise if you are doing that. If you look, the least amount of yards that the Vikings had on a single drive the entire game was. Uh, after the punt, they got one yard of total offense. The muff punt, they had one yard of total offense and kicked a field goal. And the, the uh, coming up to the end of the half, uh, they ran twice with Dalvin Cook and got no yards. Um, so, you know, the we're a shutdown defense. We are one of the best defenses in football. But our offense, if we can't put together 10 yards on a drive to get a single first down, I, I, I'm having a hard time seeing this Bears team compete in a single game the rest of the year offensively. No, I agree with you because like, I feel like, you know, like 
definitely like after this bye week we're going to be facing the Packers and that's not, you know, something that like, you know, we're like ready for. I mean, I don't think we'll be ready for that game. I mean, like yeah, we got a bye, but like like history shows that the Bears come out of a bye just sleeping. And mm-hmm. um and if they if they do come out sleeping, then the Bears will go 5 and 6. I'm sorry Bears fans, but that's just the ultimate reality that you have to face. We're going to be facing Aaron Rodgers, De- Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. Alan Lazard is going to be healthy. Um, Valdez Scantling is going to be healthy, and he's been having a good couple of weeks here. So we're our defense is going to have to like you know come out there and do what they've been doing for the first eleven weeks. Well, no, sorry, not eleven, ten weeks, um, and see if they could uh, slow the Packers down. But even if they slow the Packers down, like you mentioned, Jake, it's just going to be a really hard time for us to stay in games if our offense can't do anything. I mean, we'll stay in the game for a good period of, of the game, but um, at the end of the day and in the fourth quarter, we'll let it slip. Like, the last four games, like, we we, we haven't been that, like, fourth quarter magic team. Like, now our true identity is showing, like, against, like, good teams, well-coached teams. Like, we're, we're being shut out, and even included in the fourth quarter and including the third quarter. I mean, like, we only had negative two yards of offense in the third quarter against the Vikings. So it was it was really hard to watch this Monday night football game. Yeah, it was, it was not a confidence-inspiring game. You know, this is the point in the season where, you know, if we look at the remaining schedule, I think there is some opportunity there. You know, I think we can win the Green Bay game. It, it's, it, yeah. All of the games are going to come down to what our if our offense can do anything. Because you look at these, you know, Houston doesn't have a phenomenal defense. Minnesota doesn't have a phenomenal defense, even though we make them look phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you have Green Bay twice, you have Jacksonville, and then you have a Detroit game in there as well. If, if our offense keeps performing the way it has these past couple weeks, the only game on that list I can see us winning is the Jacksonville game. And at that point, I'd rather just lose that game in week 16. And I'd rather be five and 11 going into the draft and getting, you know, potentially a better spot out of it. There's just, there's a lot of problems with this bears offense right now that I don't see being able to be addressed quickly. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like that's the only game that I see that the, that the bears can actually, you know, be, be winners in like the Jacksonville Jaguars like that's the only game but other than that like every game like Jake you, you agree with me here like when you walk in every week every game is winnable doesn't matter who the opponent may be and doesn't matter how like how it could be like the Patriots beat the Baltimore Ravens a couple of weeks ago or a week ago right and and that's what this Bears team is like again like you look at that Tampa Bay game you know if you throw in like the like the offense that was playing on Monday night, I don't think we would be able to beat Tampa Bay in Week Five. See, that's the thing. It's just like when you when you take things from like a later game and put it to another earlier game, it, it's like it doesn't work. It's like, I I just think like you take each game week by week, and every game is winnable. I think it's just like it just comes down to the coaching, the execution, and the game plan. And these last uh, four games, the Bears haven't game plan correctly, and they've been poorly coached um and they're also going through a coaching well not a coaching change a play calling change with someone that hasn't called play calls in the last two years which is bill laser so like you said so many problems with this bears team but let's let's go ahead and let's move on um it's it's kind of hurtful talking about the bears right now i'm having chest pains right now but yeah man it hurts but 
It is what it is. But on the bright side, we do get to talk about you know, what I thought was a pretty fun game to watch last night, that Seahawks versus Cardinals game. Obviously, the Seahawks came out ahead. Um, you and I were talking during the game. We both had quite a few bets hit on that game. But, um, you know, this I think this shows that the Seahawks aren't a team that anybody can take lightly. You know, their defense hasn't really been great this year, but they, they've they're starting to come around and they're really starting to show that they might be one of the scarier teams in football right now, especially in the NFC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because when you, when you look at like Pete Carroll and what he provides to the Seahawks team, like he provides the inspiration, the motivation and his players. I mean, yeah, the Seahawks, they do have the worst pass defense. Is it, is it the worst pass defense in the league? Okay. Yes. Worst, worst in football. So they have the worst pass defense in the league, but yet you still have that defense making plays. Like you have, um, like I wouldn't call him washed up, but you have um, Carl's Dunlap who comes around the edge and still sets the edge, and he's playing on like a decent, like a decent minimum salary in Seattle, um, and he's actually putting up decent numbers than what Jadavian Clowney put up. So, mm. and, and and that's and that's where it comes back to. I mean, like you know. Pete Carroll, as we all know, he won the Super Bowl with like the highest number of undrafted players and lowly drafted players in 2013 with like the team of Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. I mean, like that team, like the Seattle Seahawks, like I really think that like if they just can continue playing football the way they are, they could win the Super Bowl. Like behind that offense, and I think that offense is just lights out terrific. Like if, if Russell Wilson gets into gear four or gear five, it's he's impossible to stop. Like escaping pressure, um getting out of the pocket, extending plays to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. Granted, last night DK Metcalf had this couple of drops, but like I think come playoff time, all of that will be cleaned up for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I think so. If we look at that game from a fantasy perspective, obviously there were some really good games to come out of it. Um, Tyler Lockett, nine catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. Metcalf should have had two touchdowns. He let a ball hit him right in the face mask and dropped it. Um, Carlos Hyde, you know, being that we haven't really seen much out of him this year uh, outside of the last Arizona game, um, mostly due to Carson obviously being the bell cow there when he's healthy. Um, but Car- Carlos Hyde looked like a solid running back. He had seven. 79 yards and a touchdown uh, rushing two catches for 16 yards you know if if when this seattle team is hitting on all cylinders like they were last night i i'm surprised the game was as close as it was and i think a lot of that really has to be you know kind of credited to some of the arizona players who are really stepping up uh isaiah simmons he's playing more and more snaps each week he had a sack and two tackles for loss last night 10 total tackles uh, Drake Patrick looked pretty good. Pat Pete looked pretty solid. Buda Baker, um, he blew up a couple of huge run plays. You know, he's one of those guys that you can never count Buda Baker out of a play because he will always find a way to be involved somehow. You know, when the and this this Cardinals team looked really good too. This was obviously a really well played game on both sides. Both of these teams are scary. I tell I was saying it on Twitter the other day that I might not like they're legitimately might not be a team that I'm more scared of if they're kicking on all cylinders than the Cardinals. Just off, if you look at the talent that's on this team, obviously, you know, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Fat, he, uh, I believe, set the record uh, last night as well for fastest wide receiver to 700 receptions in his career. You have guys like, you know, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, who, you know, not superstars by any means, but they have the speed and they have the hands to really make things happen. And then you got, you know, your old, your resident old guy, Larry Fitz, who just seems to never go away. He had eight catches for 62 yards. So he put up, he led, um, 
led the Arizona wide receivers in fantasy points last night. Um, you know, this this Cardinals team offensively, Kyler, you know, he's QB one this year for a reason. He's he's at a fat he's at a higher point per week pace than even we saw out of Lamar Jackson last last year. Um, Kyler did uh, come out of the game. Uh, I don't know if you were if you saw it early on, but he had uh, a sack pretty early on in the game, and it, it turns out he came out with a slight AC joint sprain. Yeah. Um, so that'll it'll be interesting to see how that affects him. And I thought I could clearly see that it affected him during the game. A lot of his passes came out looking a little wobbly. And and definitely, like, what, what you talk about. Let me add something about that. Is like he had an open spot to run a lot of times in that game. And you know, like there's a lot of times where I on Twitter I'm like, come on, Kyler, run. But like then again, like. You could get hit on that shoulder, and it could be a, te- a torn labrum right there, and Ky- Kyler Murray is gone for the season. And, you know, I've seen, um, I think, like, the last play of the game, well, when they when he got sacked on that, um, that final play of the game, he had, like, a whole, like, this area to run the football. Um, it was it was empty. They played they play prevent, and Kyler could have gotten, like, 20 yards, but I could I could... I could see where Cliff Kingsbury is trying to come from because, you know, he did the same thing um, last week against, I think it was the Buffalo Bills that they had that Hail Mary throw with, to DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess they were trying to, you know, see if they can get a good look on that last play, but Seattle's defense got to him pretty quickly. They weren't they weren't letting that happen at the home of the 12th man again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, a lot of it was coming down to they were very clearly playing it safe with Kyler. Um, you know, he had only five rushes, which yeah. I think might have been his season low this year. Um, he, you know, he was very clearly, you know, they they had heat pads, they had ice packs on it. They were trying to keep it loose. They were keeping him throwing pretty much constantly on the sidelines. It was it was clear that the shoulder was bugging him. Um, and, you know, he, he still had a fairly decent, you know, fantasy week, all things considered. Um, I'm actually playing against him in one of the leagues that I run. He still put up 23 points on our scoring, which isn't bad. But when you consider that I had Tyler Lockett put up 20, basically 22, um, you know, it kind of wipes out the the quarterback performance there. Um, you know, he had a he, that's a solid game. I think any any quarterback anybody happy with 23 points out of Kyler. But when you look at his points the past, you know, the five games before that. 31, 31, 41, 43, 33. You know, this was obviously a fantasy disappointment for him. I think if you're, you know, a Kyler owner at this point, you just have to come out of, um, you just have to come out of this game happy that his injury is not worse. Right, and, and, and like it could have easily been worse on that last sack of the game if he if he landed somewhat awkwardly or something like that. Thank God, you know, Kyle Murray is one of my favorite athletes in this in this. Um, in the sport, I mean, overall in sports, I mean, the guy, what he does and what he brings to uh, the NFL, it's like a sporadic um, element that, like, every team should run by and moving quarterbacks and mobile quarterbacks, which I think um, all uh, most of the teams will be moving towards, too. So, um, but that was a good game, um, hopefully. But what do you, what do you see um, in terms of fantasy going forward or, um, any other, not actually hold off on fantasy a little bit. Uh, what are some games that you like, um, in week 11? So, um, just a few games that I'm really interested to see, um, purely from, uh, a petty perspective, we'll say one of my best friends is a Washington football team fan. So I want to see Cincinnati crush them this week, but I think that'll be a pretty good game. 
Um, you know, it's one of the worst offensive lines in football versus one of the best pass rushes in football. Um, this Washington team's got a scary good defense, a lot of talent on offense. Um, and, you know, I think Antonio Gibson's, you know, proving that he can be a pretty decent, you know, running back in the NFL, um, especially being a converted receiver. You got J.D. McKissick, who's putting up decent fantasy numbers the past few weeks with Alex Smith in at quarterback. And then obviously you have Scary Terry, who could go off at any second of the day. Um, I'm also I really want to see how this Atlanta New Orleans game turns out I, I originally thought it was going to be an absolute blowout you know Atlanta doesn't have a great pass defense but seeing Taysom Hill in there at quarterback is what's been reported you know, that's something that definitely is going to be something for me to watch yeah and like the, those two games when we what we talk about like I like I don't even know why Jameis Winston is not getting his opportunity here um with uh, Drew Brees that could could be out for an extended period of time. I don't know if Sean Payton is just like experiment here for just um, one game with Taysom Hill and then probably go to uh, Jameis Winston the following week if Drew Brees is not ready. Uh, he probably, I, I don't know what the status is on Drew Brees. I imagine that he might be out for a couple more weeks because of a punctured lung, but, um, or was it a collapsed lung? Yeah, they, uh, it was a, a collapsed lung and okay. broken ribs on both sides. They put him on IR today. Okay. Um, or announced that they're going to put him on IR. So he'll be out for at least the next three weeks. Um, I think what you're seeing with Taysom Hill here is um, this may come out the right way or may come out the wrong way. Yeah. I think it's a business move. Um, Jamius has about $2 million in his contract in um, incentives for playing time. Um, and they've paid. They've already given Taysom Hill you know, $21 million over this year and next year to be essentially that backup quarterback. While we saw Winston go into the game originally, I think a lot of that was game script. You know, they had scripted, obviously, for uh, they'd game plan and game scripted with Drew Brees as their quarterback. And you can't throw Taysom Hill into a game plan. You know, the way that he plays the game of football is a lot different than what we see out of a lot of, you know, quarterbacks with, you know, more of a rushing focus. And it's, it's not like he's the best passer in the world. Yeah. He's definitely solid. Um, but, yeah, man, I Jameis was a guy that I was super high on going into the offseason, um, obviously coming out of his deal in Tampa. I think he got, you know, the short end of the stick this year. Obviously, he made his choice to sign with the Saints, and he knew the situation he was going into. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, you look at the numbers from Winston in the past, and I think especially, you know, last year, I can think off the top of my head, there were five or six times where his balls go through right through his receiver's hands for interceptions. You know, he got, I would argue that he was probably the unluckiest quarterback that I watched in 2019. And I think, you know, he'd be a starter on a lot of rosters right now. Um, just off of some of the QB play that we've seen this year, I would personally go with Winston, but I can totally, I get business wise why they, they would choose to go with Hill. No. Yeah. Because like, um, like I, like, like you mentioned, it is a business decision because, um, like, I don't think Jameis might be in the future plans of New Orleans at all. I think it's more of what they can do with Taysom Hill and what what system they can move to to um, to make Taysom Hill comfortable. I mean, and Sean and Sean Payton, out of all coaches in the NFL, and we saw him doing it with Teddy Bridgewater last year, um, and it turned out pretty well. Granted, um, Taysom Hill is faster than Teddy Bridgewater. Um, on the run, so I mean, like the only thing that I can see that can really piss Atlanta's defensive front off is that just Sean Payton just like just shoving it to the Atlanta Falcons, read option after read option after read option. I was like, oh, there we go, a play action, a play action throw to a guy like um, Michael Thomas, and 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 Taysom Hill, he can make those throws if if there is like empty space in that in that field there. So. Um, 
uh, like short throws, nothing, nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think it'll be a good game. I'm interested to see how it goes, but um, it'll ultimately come down, I think, to um, how well Atlanta kind of responds to it. I mm-hmm. think, you know, the key with Taysom Hill is, you know, we saw it against the Bears, um, and we saw it. We've seen it in other games this year where when he's back at quarterback, he runs. That's what they've done with him all year. But the problem is, is you know he's got the he, he like I said he doesn't have a phenomenal arm, but it's a solid enough arm that you can't you can't just send an all out blitz because he will hit he will hit those throws and even if he gets lucky on four or five throws, you know there's a lot of potential there. I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see Calvin Ridley's going to be healthy for the game, mm-hmm. um, so it's a huge addition for Atlanta. Um, you know Matt Ryan in games this year where he's had both Ridley and Julio fully healthy, he's looked like an entirely different quarterback. Um, he's, he, you can just see a different confidence with him. So I'm interested on both sides of the ball as well. Um, I, I really, from a, from a fantasy perspective, I'm a Hayden Hurst owner, owner in just about every league that I'm in. So I'm really interested to see if he can keep his pace up. Um, he's been, uh, you know, 10 plus points a week for the past four weeks in PPR formats. Um, so I'm really interested to see kind of how this game plays out. Yeah, me too, man. And like, definitely something to add right there about the tight ends there hitting Hayden Hurst. Um, definitely, um, a good play there because I uh, I read somewhere that the Saints are allowing most of their targets to the tight ends of opposing teams. So that is a good play definitely to have Hayden Hurst in your lineups, guys. Um, you know, the Saints, um, they also lead the league in touchdowns scored against them. So Matt Ryan, like with nothing to lose with a 3-6 and six sub Atlanta Falcons team, um, got all three wins with um, their interim head coach. They, they're they're, with nothing to lose, they will come out slinking. And with, with a guy like Calvin Ridley that's healthy and Todd Gurley in that backfield, I mean, this could be closer than than we expect. Um, than we expect with definitely with the with the Taysom Hill as quarterback. So, so what other games do you like? I mean, we talked about um, this one, and you also mentioned uh, the Washington Football Team and the Cincinnati Bengals. It was. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in that game. Just I want to see Cincinnati win. Uh, they're a point and a half underdog right now, um, so it'll be interesting to see. If we look at some of the other games on the docket, I'm actually probably the one that I'm going to be most invested in, just from purely a gameplay perspective, not even just a fantasy perspective. The Green Bay at Indianapolis game. Um, I think it's going to be a huge challenge for Green Bay. See how they they fare against one of the better defenses in football. And Philip Rivers is actually pretty solid this year. Um, their running game is a little bit suspect there. They've got three running backs on roster that they have no idea what to do with um, because you can't predict who does what each week. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot, you know, a lot to like to watch in that game as well. And then the other game that really is going to intrigue me just because I think I know how the game's going to end, but I want to see how it plays out is the Kansas City Las Vegas game as well. Las Vegas has had to put, I think it was like seven players on the co- seven of their defensive starters on the COVID list this week. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much that impacts them against one of the best offenses in football. Um, plus, it's Kansas City who doesn't love to just watch Tyreek Hill just burn past everybody. Yeah, right there in that slot, just go phew. And it's it's insane that he's an insane athlete and Patrick Mahomes feeding them the ball easy touchdowns right there so yeah but like the games that I'm looking forward to guys um, you know talked about the Falcon and Saints the Bengals in Washington um, talked about the Packers and Colts but 
and the Chiefs and Raiders. But um, from a uh, gameplay perspective, like Jake said, my pick and my game for this week is going to be the Titans and Ravens. I mean, that's going to mm-hmm. be something to look at. I mean, can Lamar actually, like, drop – Can it, well, not drop, like, can he actually, like, you know, make a couple of pass plays and actually pull away the way he used to do earlier in the season? Can he find Marquise Brown deep down the field? Because, you know, now it seems like the – what the Ravens are trying to do and the game that they played against the, the Patriots, the game that they lost, um, it's, and I, and I get that it was foggy that day and, and like, um, and all, and all the throws that Lamar couldn't make, but like, I, I think that Lamar can bounce back this game, um, throwing and running on the, on the, uh, on the football field. Um, give me the Baltimore Ravens, um, in this game, 27 to 17. I think the Titans, um, they can't, if Lamar starts to run, I don't think the Titans defense can stop him. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be a huge thing. Also, just the Ravens defense. Tennessee's offensive line has not been yeah. performing well recently. Obviously, you know, they've had multiple injuries to that line mm-hmm. um, and just some, some down performance there. And uh, to Brian Tannehill hasn't looked the same behind the, the current version of their offensive line. Um, so I could definitely see the, you know, if you can, can, they're one of the offenses where if you can contain Derrick Henry and you try and make, you know, try and make these these offensive linemen hold up in pass pro, you know, it's not it's not going to work out in their favor, you know, fairly well right now. And this is a Ravens defense that has given up, you know, comparatively they're averaging about 17 and a half points a week, uh, given up to quarterbacks this year. Um, and if you the, if you take out two games that number drops down even drastically lower. You know, they they gave up 47 fantasy points to quarterbacks in the Chiefs game. Obviously, if Patrick Mahomes, he had 385 yards passing, four touchdowns, um, scored a rushing touchdown that game as well. And then if you take out the Eagles game where you had Carson Wentz, who had 70 rushing yards and a touchdown as well, you know, they gave up 35 points that game. But otherwise, the highest, the most they've given up in a game this year is 19 to quarterbacks. So if this comes down to a game where you got to have Tannehill beating this this Ravens defense I just don't see it happening I like your score prediction there I could even see it being higher you know I had the game at 30 uh, 37 20 for the Ravens I think this is a game where we can see the Ravens offense kind of explode again and really exploit this Tennessee defense yeah definitely I really see like a uh, Mark Andrews type game here two touchdown game here um and some uh, some exploited throws deep down the field to um Marquise Brown and we already know that Lamar Jackson if given time in the pocket and he has time to hang in there and uh and Baltimore's offensive line is outstanding too as well if, uh, if I remember correctly so if he has time down there and he delivers a dart um you know hopefully um Brown can come up with it um and and that's that's what she that's what he just needs to do like what he did in the first weeks of this NFL season he just needs to start um just hanging in the pocket and see what's down the field and go from there i mean yeah i i probably take that score the score the uh, sorry the score prediction that you gave to us 37 to 20 as well yeah it, that's a that's a really, going to be a really good game to watch and i do have a lot of fantasy invested fantasy interest in that game so i will be watching that for purely selfish reasons as well We'll talk about the bets of all of these games um, later, but like, is there any other fantasy stars that you like for any other games for Week Eleven? I mean, there there are a couple of out there. Oh, definitely. So if we're if uh, to like kind of shift into fantasy, there's a few plays that I really like this week. Um, one of them was actually asked to us in one of our uh, our chats. Um, somebody asked with 
Um, DeAndre Swift being out this week, you know, a late late comer to the injury report, didn't practice on Thursday due to a concussion. Um, uh, you know, he's not playing this week. He's not going to have time to clear protocol. I can't believe I'm saying this after the way I've dogged him on Twitter, but I really like um, I really like Adrian Peterson this week. This is a team, this is a Carolina defense that has given up a ton of points to running backs on the year. Um, you know, they've they've been a team that's not really been able to stop the run. You know, they've had a couple games here and there. Um, they against the Bears, obviously, we can't run against anybody. Um, so they only gave up about eight points that week. And then against the Chiefs, uh, that you know, that turned into a very pass-heavy game for the for the Chiefs offense. Um, they didn't have a ton of carries really. But otherwise, you know, this is a team that's giving up over 20 points a week to running backs. And Adrian Peterson's gonna be the clear, you know, the clear workhorse on that offense. I don't think they're gonna throw carry on Johnson back into that role. Um, most of what we've seen out of Johnson this year has been him being used as a pass protector, being used as a blocker. And on, you know, and when he has carried the ball, he hasn't looked great. So that's something where, you know, I could see him, you know, I could see Adrian coming out and putting up a 12 to 14 point week this week pretty easily. Um, and if, you know, that's, that's about all you're expecting out of him, obviously coming off of Deandre Swift's almost 30 point performance last week, you know, it's quite a, quite a drop off, but if it's a, if, you know, if you need a running back to play this week and Peterson's available, um, which he is in a pretty decent amount of leagues, it seems, um, this seems like it might be a move to go with, um, Another play that I really like, um, Logan Thomas, tight end in Washington. Um, Cincinnati's giving up the second most points to tight ends in fantasy football this year. Um, and Thomas is, he's, you know, he's running more routes than most tight ends in football. The only t- tight ends uh, from the last time I looked that were running more routes are Waller and Travis Kels. So, you, you know, he's, he's out there on the field. And once Alex Smith has started to play more, he's, he's seen a little bit more of a target share. He's not a, he's not a guy who gets a ton of targets. Um, the first three weeks of the season, he was averaging eight targets a game. Um, but since then it's been about four to five targets a game for Logan Thomas, but this is a matchup that's almost too juicy to let go. Uh, Thomas is also only rostered in about 40% of, uh, Yahoo leagues right now. So he seems like a, a guy who's pretty widely available. Tight end has been a terrible position this year in fantasy football. Um, you know, outs, you basically have Travis Kels, you have, you know, a mile and a half, and then you have Waller and then you have everyone else to the point where if you look at, you know, fantasy scoring this year for tight ends, um, let me pull up my league, you know, fantasy tight ends in a PPR format, um, where we keep everything pretty standard. You have Johnu Smith as tight end four, who hasn't caught more than two balls since week five. Uh, yeah, since week five against Buffalo. And you have guys like Jimmy Graham, who has been playing progressively less and less snaps each week, and he's tight end eight on the year. You know, tight end has been a very, very disappointing position in fantasy this year with, you know, a handful of guys averaging more than 10 points a game. So I think, you know, this is a week especially to really target you know, those, you know, target those tight ends who have good matchups. It's, it's about the only way to play tight ends this year. Um, and then the last play that I really like, which is probably a play that most people, you know, have and really like at this point, um, especially for ESPN specifically, this, this plays for ESPN formats because they have Taysom Hill still with tight end eligibility. If Taysom Hill is available in your league, Go pick him up and put him in your tight end spot because you can't tell me that he can't score 15 points as a quarterback this week, assuming he stays healthy, which is, you know, 15 points puts you at, um, you know, what, quarterback 
20 on the on the year um you know as a weekly quarterback you know 15 points is not good but if to get that out of your tight end spot with everything else that we're seeing this year you know that's that might be a matchup winner right there no yeah man Taysom Hill man I I really like that I was going to ask you what your fantasy outlook for Taysom Hill was but like there you go you just gave it out to the listeners there so um yeah guys um like you know my pick for um the fantasy outlook for this week for week 11 is I like I really like Belage out of um I forgot his uh, first name um Kalen 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 right oh yeah got it so Kalen Belage um against the New York Jets um obviously the Jets I don't I don't know what they're gonna do but um they yeah, are I taking have a rule. If, if, if your team's playing the Jets you just play whatever play play that guy yeah and exactly. you'll probably you'll probably be fine yeah so um Kalen Balaj, um, that's one of my guys. Like I, he's been uh, with uh, Austin Eckler on IR. I think he is um, still, and Justin Jackson, who is the main rusher of that uh, that Chargers offense, uh, with the receiving back in terms of receiving. Um, Kalen Balaj has, I think, he had a um, hundred yards last week, um, but he could get the extra start uh, this game against the, J- the Jets. Um, so that's a good play. Another guy that I do like is, um, if I pull up my notes here, uh, he's on my team and I really just, just continuously just play him. Um, if you do have him, I would play Antonio Brown against the Rams. I mean, yeah, the Rams are not averaging that much against their, uh, not giving up much against the opposing team's wide receivers. But, I mean, Antonio Brown is just another weapon to the, Ars- uh, to the Arsenal for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I would give him a shot. He's projected to get 12.5 points against that secondary. Um, with Mike Evans and Godwin in that uh, wide receiver logjam at 1-2, and two, I think um, Antonio Brown can come into that third spot and actually, you know, try to light it up and um, turn that Buccaneers... Well, not turn it around, but... Um, to give that offense a little more spark. Yeah, I like the I like the Balage play a lot. I mean, he's clearly you know as big of a an impact to Eckler's touches the fir- in the first few weeks as you know, Josh Kelly was. It's it's clear. I I saw it from the start. Maybe as I was a biased Eckler owner at the time, um, but Josh Kelly doesn't look like a good running back. He's 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 not a he's not elusive. He doesn't have a, a lot of big playability there. Um, you know, I think a lot of his success, it was a lot of, you know, scheme based success, but, you know, Balaj looks halfway decent running the ball. As you noted, he, you know, he's been getting some targets out of the backfield, um, as well. Uh, he had five, he had five catches on six targets last week for 35 yards against Miami. Who's been a pretty darn good defense this year. Um, so I think, you know, I, I like the Balaj play a lot. Maybe it's just me. Um, when it comes to the Antonio Brown play, I personally um, am fading basically everybody who plays the Rams. Um, obviously, the Rams defense is due for a big game against them, uh, but the Rams have been a very shutdown team. But to your point, I think I'd probably like Brown the most out of that wide receiver room, Brown and Scotty Miller um, against them. You know, it, Tom Brady's a guy who is notorious for beating good defenses, um, especially when he's got guys. You know, he I, he's got more talented receivers now than he's ever had at any point in his career in in New England. So I, I definitely could see this being the game where, you know, the Rams, you know, off, defensively kind of suffer a little bit. And I think we you know, I think I like that play, too. Um, I think we could see Antonio Brown come out and surprise us a little bit. 
I don't know if you heard, but I'm, I'm I'm like looking on the overview of Antonio Brown, and this is something like uh, unrelated. But like, what happened was that he destroyed a a security camera in the homeowners association. Like, did you hear yeah. about this? Yeah, I saw that. It I, it happened sometime in October. It was before the signing. Um, you know, it, it seems like he's turned a new leaf, but we've seen this, what, six times in the past yeah. year where he's, he's good and then he's bad and then he's, he's good again, but then he's bad again. So, you know, it'll, it'll, re- I mean, Bruce Arians has been very blunt with it. He said, he's been a model citizen for us since we signed him. The second he isn't, we'll walk away. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, he's obviously playing this week, so you know, he's, he's staying in the good graces for the most part. The league, you know, is investigating, um, but it seems like, you know, all things considered, he's been, you know, a pretty decent guy this year. Yeah. So, yeah. And by this year, I mean, since he signed his contract, um, he's obviously, you know, he's got he's got his own demons that he's got to work through. And he's, you know, he seems to be making progress. Maybe Brady's been a good influence on him, uh, you know, especially living with Brady um, down there in Tampa. So we'll see. We'll see, man. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, Antonio Brown, I mean, from what he once used to be in Pittsburgh, you know, he got into, you know, a couple of um, couple of issues. Uh, I would I would just call them issues, but like you know, the guy is still, you know, like you said, he turned a new leaf of positivity, and like he's gonna play this Sunday. I don't think this uh, this issue is gonna gonna hurt him as much. The NFL is just looking at it, and even if it does come out, uh, and Antonio Brown says it time's done in tampa bay so all right guys so what do you what do you like for as as we move on to our betting segment here with 20 minutes left on the pod um what do you who do you like as your bets so let's start with some props um what do you like man yeah so um this week what i'm really looking at um I'm looking at the the Falcons game specifically. Um, it's got Taysom Hill at his over under for passing this week is set to 160 and a half yards. Um, I'm personally taking the over on that. While we haven't seen him throw a ton this year, this is a Viking or a, uh, not Vikings. Um, this is a Falcons defense that we've seen give up you know, big plays to, to opposing quarterbacks. And while, you know, Taysom Hill is not known for his throwing ability, they've, there's obviously uber talented receivers on that offense. You know, you have a guy, and then you have a guy like Alvin Kamara, who was running back one last week with 14 total rushing yards. So you, you know, this is a game where we may not, see, we're not going to see Taysom Hill, you know, throw nukes over and over again to Emmanuel Sanders or Harris or Michael Thomas, but this is going to be a game where he could dink his dink and dunk his way to easily 210, 220 passing yards. So I'm taking, I really like the over there. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but that's that's one of the props that I'm really, you know, really intrigued in this week. So you said Taysom Hill rushing yards, right? Uh, uh, passing yards. Oh, passing yards. Oh, definitely take the over in that. I, I don't know what that could be. Um, I, what's the number at? Sorry, I blanked out. No, you're good. One sixty. One sixty. So you're one one sixty and a half. Okay, one sixty and a half. I could see him throw like a. Uh, I think I think like a. I think like 170, 175 seems seems feasible for him, especially if uh, if Mike Mike Thomas is there, Trey Quan Smith is there, Jared Cook. Yeah, I, I I could see that. Like probably like 80 yards on the ground, maybe 165, 170 in the air. I can see it. It's feasible. Yeah, and and like I said, you know that offense while. They have tools outside, and you know that offense has run through Kamara this year. Mm-hmm. You know Kamara is a guy that we've obviously he's running back one. He's he's a league winner in many cases, 
But if we're looking at him, Kamara alone has, you know, has games of 140 receiving yards, almost 95 receiving yards, 75 receiving yards. Another game of almost like he's got two. He's he's he himself is averaging almost 60 yards receiving per game. And that's on top of having a guy like Michael Thomas, who's fully healthy, wasn't listed on the final injury report this week. Um, so he's he's finally full health. And, you know, if you're this offense is it's built around Kamara, but this offense can be a pass heavy offense. And against a team like the Falcons that is so bad against passes, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing him not hit that number. Oh, yeah, like definitely. Like when you when you talk about like, the the offense that uh, that Sean Payton runs in in New Orleans, I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, I I think he'll hit that number. I mean, like, I'm not gonna jinx it or anything. Like, I really think that like if they can if they get into like a little passing battle here with Matt Ryan, and with, speaking of Matt Ryan, I'll get into him in a, in a couple of seconds, but uh, if they can get into like a little passing battle, and if Taysom Hill can throw two touchdowns, then definitely I really think that one sixty point five number will be hit. And um, as per Matt Ryan, his number is at two eighty seven point five. Now, that might be. Uh, especially if like um, the Saints are allowing a lot of touchdowns in the end zone most in the league i would take the over on the matt ryan passing yards like i think like like for a guy that or for the team that has nothing to lose like this guy he actually could just just throw julio jones is healthy calvin ridley is healthy um a couple other guys on that team are healthy gage i think russell gage is healthy too mm-hmm. so it could be possible yeah yeah i could definitely see it um this is when it comes to Matt Ryan props, I've learned to stay away from them after being wrong like four different times this year on them. Um, it, this is a guy where I think, especially with Calvin Ridley being fully healthy, with Julio being healthy, with Hurst, you know, that this offense, while Todd Gurley's been a, a, a surprisingly productive running back this year, I think that Matt Ryan is really, you know, I think he could definitely could hit the over, but I could also see this being a game where they randomly decide that we're going to run Todd Gurley 25 times and we're going to give Brian Hill 10 carries and just see what happens. So, you know, I, you know, I, I definitely could see him hitting the over here. Um, I also, you know, if you wanted to bet the under there, I definitely wouldn't be mad about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could go either way. Um, like it could, it could like stop at like that two eighty or two eighty five number. Um, mm. Like I, I think like the projection for Matt Ryan is for this weekend is I think I have him at like two eighty five. So I'm like right there when that overs. So I, I hesitated a little bit when I when I said something about Matt Ryan in two eighty seven. I, I I thought it said two sixty seven, and but like yeah, it said two eighty seven. So. Yeah, but like there, there is another bet that I do like. Um, uh, I just had it, but um, give me if there's any other bets that you like. Go ahead and um, say them, Jake, if you like. Yeah, um, it's in. So I'm looking at the um, the New England versus Texans game. Um, Will Fuller has been, uh, you know, maybe to some surprising. I had him, I had him really high on my draft board in a lot of leagues this year, just because he's finally the wide receiver one in the offense. 
defense, and it was all ultimately going to come down to whether he could stay healthy. Um, they've got his over set at 50, his receiving yards set at 59 and a half this week. I'm hammering the over there. Yeah. Um, this is a receiver that, you know, when he beats you, he's beating you with big plays. He's not a guy who's going to, you know, dink and dunk you. Um, he's, he's a guy who we've seen go off time and time again. That being said, he's a very volatile player. You know, week one, 112 yards. Week two, uh, played the entire game, didn't see a single target. Um, week three, 50 yards, uh, 54 yards. Week four, 108, and then 58, and then 123, and then 35, and then 100, and then 38. So he's been very back and forth about when he's seen success. If you continue following that trend, though, he has a low game. He has a game you know, under 60 receiving yards, and then he's got a game over 100 receiving yards. And this is a New England defense that I think has looked worse as the season's gone on a little bit. Um, and I think Will Fuller, you know, he's he's the clear guy there. You know, Brandon Cooks has kind of come on as of late um, and been, you know, a, a very productive receiver as well. But give me give me Will Fuller's over this week as a as a play that I really like. Um, and then in this same game as well, Duke Johnson um, is set at 52 and a half rushing yards. Um, this is another one where I'm, you know, very on the fence about it. Um, I'm personally probably going to take the under um, just because I see him being used a little bit more in passing downs this week. And uh, especially with him missing some of practice due to being sick, I could see them go a little bit more pass heavy this week um, and see him, you know, not touch the ball as much when it comes to rushing anyways. Yeah. And, and like if we, and if they could like lean on the passing game more than give me Deshaun Watson's over in passing yards. Um, I think that 278 number, I think it was, uh, no, wait, yeah, 271.5. Um, I really think that, like, uh, Deshaun Watson can hit that over. Uh, what do you talk about? Uh, Will Fuller being his number one guy now when uh, Hopkins is in Arizona now. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that 271 number is re- very, it's possible. What do you think, man? Yeah, I, definitely. Um, we've seen Watson kind of have to make plays happen a lot more frequently um, mm-hmm. in the past few weeks. I think he's a guy that's probably, you know, he's he's capable of going off at any time. Um, when you look at kind of his season performance this year, he's been up and down um, as his whole team has basically been. Um, but, you know, specifically looking at the passing work, you know, he's had a couple weeks where, you know, he's had streaks of where he had four straight games over 300 yards and then his last couple games at 281 and 165. But that Browns game, that was a that was a weather game that ended up being kind of a, a you know, a running battle for most of the game to make anything happen. Um, I definitely could see this being a game, though, where, like I said, especially if they're going a little bit more pass heavy in the script, um, I definitely could see him hitting that. All right, so we about we have about you know ten minutes left um, to wrap the show here, but you know in this segment, in this final segment, we want to talk about you know, you know the two games that we like, and the segment that we call is called the lock and dogs. Um, lock is obviously the team that you like, obviously the the only team, the ultimate team that you like out of every team that's playing in week 11. Um, and the dog is the best dog that you like. So Jake, I know you told me this already in our, in our Twitter chat, but who's your lock and who's your underdog for this week? Yeah. So my lock for this week, um, this is a team that I have, I've liked what I've seen this year, but they've been very up and down. They haven't really been able to close out games. Um, but their matchup is too juicy this week. I've got the Chargers money line as my lock this week. They're playing the Jets at home. Um, you know, they're playing, you know, in their weather. They, you know, Justin Herbert, he chopped the flow off. I don't like I don't love to see that. But I don't like it. I, 
the Jets, the Jets are 0-9. You know, they're they're a team that's they don't really have an identity right now. Joe Flacco's in at quarterback um, again with Darnold being out this week. When it comes to running backs, you know, the best running back on their roster on their roster is LaMichael P. Ryan, um, who, you know, he's not he hasn't blown anyone's socks off by any means this year. But when your other options, you know, 36 year old Frank Gore. You know, you can only do so much offensively. And this is a Chargers defense that has looked pretty solid for, you know, for portions of the year. They're str- they've are had struggles to close games out, but I really, I, I don't see them losing this game. So Chargers money line is my lock for the week. How about yours? So my lock for this week is, um, haven't had a chance to look at the schedule, but um, on the top of my head, um, you could go ahead and give me the Ravens. Yeah, we talked about the Ravens and Titans earlier in this um, in this podcast. Really think that the weakness of the Tennessee Titans offensive line is going to um, give the Ravens defense um, overpowerment and really make um, Ryan Tannehill run for his life. And I mm-hmm. I really hope that he finds Jonathan Smith or AJ Brown in the open field to make a play. But that's the only way that I see the Tennessee Titans really trying to win this game. If they can find those two receivers, Sean Smith and AJ Brown and some Corey Davis, then they could, they have a chance to win this game. If they really make Ryan Tannehill just like go out of the pocket after a second, after them bending the pocket, then the Tennessee Titans, like we talked about some scores. I said 27 to 17, Jake said 37 to 20. Um, it could be either one of those scores. It could, it could be like a 40, 45 to 17 game. Uh, give me the, I'm actually going to do a same game parlay in this one. Give me a Mark Andrews touchdown, the Baltimore Ravens money line, the, the Baltimore Ravens spread, and a J.K. Dobbins anytime touchdown. I like it. I like it. You're getting creative here. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, man, like that. Like I really want. Like, like if we if we found a way to like draft a running back, like I no 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 um. No, no shade to Cole Komet at all, but like I really thought that like in this time without Dan Montgomery, you know, J.K. Dobbins would be good. But then again, offensive line is just horseshit. It's just terrible. So, yeah, this offensive line is is bad. You know, yeah. Dobbins is a, a a guy that I like. Um, he's he's to me just watching the games. He's clearly the most explosive. He's the most talented running back in that backfield. They have this infatuation with Gus Edwards, where he's always going to get like ten touches a game, um, and he's always going to kind of knock down the value there. And Mark Ingram's value last year, anyways, exclusively came from the fact that he had like twelve touchdowns. Um, but yeah, Dobbins would be a nice addition on this roster, on this Bears roster, especially um, uh, with you know with the lack of David Montgomery. There's a lot of running backs in this year's draft though that I really liked. I I still had Deion, everybody had Jonathan Taylor's running back one on their board, and yeah. they had Dobbins over you know this guy too. DeAndre Swift to me was by by far the best running back in this draft class. Maybe I'm watching film differently than other people but you know i he was the guy that i liked a lot there and i'd love to have him on the team um and you know as you as you point out you know this bears team needs some help and honestly who knows where it could come from you think you think jk dobbins can block a defensive end uh no probably not uh, that would <laughs> yeah, be, be it'd be really 
be, be really it'll be like all right he, he he would just like line up right there at the side of nick Foles, right on his left hand side and then he's just gonna watch leno completely miss the block this is just like a completely hypothetical situation if he was on the bears and he's just gonna see this defensive end coming coming towards him he's like oh no nah, not for me he's just gonna like put his hands up and just let nick Foles get mauled like yeah, to be, i would just fall yeah i would just fall and be honest i wouldn't even touch him i'll just like take a step back and i'm sorry Foles, you're gonna die um it's just like Honestly, like, you know, like going back to the Bears, this is the last thing before we get into our underdogs. It's just like nothing is going to help the team unless you make some offensive line changes. Nothing. All right. You can put Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady back there behind the Bears offensive line. It's going to do nothing um, because they're going to be running for their lives. So anyways, we brought up the Bears again. Pain in my chest. Um I can't. I can't let you get through a podcast without without giving you a little bit of a heart attack. You know. No. Yeah. For sure, man. I appreciate it. But um, what do you what do you have for your uh, underdog, man? So my underdog this week is not a crazy underdog. They're they're a point and a half underdog. Um, it's a team I've already talked about. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, they if they've got to cover a point and a half spread against this Washington team, you know, it'll it'll ultimately come down to, as we've pointed out this year, a battle of offensive line versus versus the defense. You know, you've got a Washington football team that's got one of the best pass rushes in football. Um, but and but what I what I like in this game, at least for Cincinnati's benefit, is they have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, even with Joe Mixon being hurt, Giovanni Bernard, um, He's he's been one of my fantasy pickups of the year. Picking him up the first week that that Watson or not that that uh, Mixon went down. You know he's had multiple twenty point weeks for me. He's a good guy. He's you know coming out of this backfield when we see a lot of pass rushes to him. He's getting a lot of short quick passes. You know you have guys like Tyler Boyd, T Higgins who are you know really really shining out as kind of the top receivers in that offense this year over AJ Green. Um, there's there's a lot to like about this team and this is a Washington team that they're on their their third quarterback this year. You know, Alex Smith, you know, give me 2016, 2017 Alex Smith, you know, pre-injury and it's it's an entirely different ball game, but he's not he's not the same there's not the same quarterback he was in the past. Um, you know, he was the, the last time we saw him play um, you know, he was a little bit careless with the ball. He was, you know, trying to force some throws, which, you know, given he's going to have to do um, in this offense with no, you know, major offensive weapons. You know, McLaurin's good. Like I said, Logan Thomas has been pretty solid. Um, McKissick's been solid out of the backfield. But this is a team where if I'm simply looking at the skill position players, I like the skill guys on the Bengals a lot more. And I could easily see the Bengals, you know, winning this football game. So give me the Bengals uh, at plus one and a half this week. Yeah, I really like that pick a lot. I mean, Joe Burrow is one of my uh, favorite rookies this season, and I really think that like even with that offensive line, that terrible offensive line in Cincinnati, he's still making plays. So, I mean, it's going to be a really nice game. That I think that Bengals and Washington game, I think you're right. That game is going to be a really good game um, than, than it seems like on paper. But uh, for my underdog, guys, give me the Atlanta Falcons. Um, uh, of course, we talked a bit about uh, Taysom Hill starting – um, for the New Orleans Saints, but then again, Matt Ryan does have his weapons. He does have um, Calvin Ridley back, like Jake mentioned earlier in the pod. Um, he does have um, Hayden Hurst, and he does have Julio Jones. If he can somehow get those three guys involved into the passing game, then the Falcons do have an edge over the the Saints. But then again, the Saints, uh, with a terrific head coach and um, Sean Payton, I really think that like you know this game's going to be close too. Um, with the things that he's able to do with Taysom Hill. 
Yeah, I agree with that too. We've already seen the spread come in in Atlanta's favor a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, it, the, it, it opened at it's it, anywhere from three and a half to four and a half, based on depending on which book you're using. Um, I'm looking at FanDuel specifically. They've got the spread at you know at plus three right now. Um, so it's come come down to be you know a little bit of a Falcons favorite. Like I, like we talked about earlier. We've seen Matt Ryan be an entirely different quarterback when he has a healthy Calvin Ridley and a healthy Julio Jones out there. Um, this is a game where I definitely could see the Falcons. You know, I could see the Falcons run away with this game. Yeah, if this if they start up hot, like um, you know, a sling touchdown to Ridley and a sling touchdown to um, to Julio Jones in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, like if if especially if Drew Brees is not playing, um, if if the Saints find themselves down two or three scores to start off the game early, I, I don't think that Taysom Hill is going to have it in him to to get get three passing touchdowns and take over this game. I mean, like yeah, his comeback story is is incredible um four season in four season ending injuries in college and stuff but like i don't if if he finds himself down early i don't think it's going to be going to be fun to watch because he could be exposed we'll just have to we're just gonna have to find out and see on sunday yes sir all right, guys, but, you know, if we don't, if, Jake, if you don't have anything else, um, I don't have anything else for our fans out there. This is our first podcast of the Fantasy Oddscast. We will be back next Tuesday at 6 p.m. You can listen to us live on Mixler. We'll have the link up on our on our Twitter feed. Um, but, Jake, anything else that you wanted to add before we sign off here? Yeah, actually, we have one more question um, that we got in the chat in the uh, one of the Twitter chats we did. Um, that I wanted to, wanted to quickly answer. Um, the question was uh, Jacoby Myers or Antonio Brown this week. Um, for me, this is a fairly easy pick. I'm personally going Jacoby Myers in this situation. Um, this is a Houston pass defense that we've seen give up the tenth most fantasy points to wide receivers this year, and Jacoby Myers has been hands down the favorite target of Cam Newton. Um, he, you know, his first game. Um, where he really got to play in the lineup and he, the first game with cam at quarterback, he had six targets. So, you know, and that, you know, wasn't a ton, but this was a game that, you know, the Patriots lost 33 to six. So it's not exactly like much was going right that anyway, but since then he's averaging over 10 targets a game. He had 10 targets against Buffalo, 14 targets against the jets, seven targets against Baltimore. Um, for me, just the matchups too juicy to pass up. Um, so, uh, I know Matt, um, who asked this question in the chat, was you know between the two with Swift being out, I'd personally lean Jacoby Myers here. Uh, but that's that's the last thing that I've really got for uh, for the podcast here. One more question. Uh, we just saw this. It was just above Matt's question in the chat. Um, Alep asked, um, does he pick up um, Adrian Peterson since um, DeAndre Swift is out? I, I would say if you don't have a if you know if Swift is one of your two starting running backs. Um, then and you don't have a better backup option then i would say that peterson's probably a decent play this week um as i talked about earlier i could see him with like a 12 to 14 point game this week which isn't going to be mind-blowing um but it's ultimately going to come down to what's available in your league um for example if if you're in a league where um it's a little bit of a you know it's, it's a little bit of a shallower league there's there's more guys that are you know that might be available Duke Johnson still available in about 30% of ESPN leagues. Gio yep. Bernard, same way, yep. available in about 30% of ESPN leagues. Um, if either of those guys are available, I'd probably pick either of those guys up over AP. Um, but AP will probably will see the, be the starting guy um, for the Lions this week. So you know, if that's my option, I would I would go for it. If you absolutely need a guy um, and you're not dropping a better player, I'm personally on a team where you know, assuming, especially if Swift's a guy in your flex. 
And if you're going to be dropping a better player to pick up Adrian Peterson for one week, unless you're like deep, like on the edge of playoffs, like if you're in a spot in your playoffs where you're going to be fine, no matter what, um, where this week doesn't ultimately matter that much in the grand scheme of things. And I have to drop, say a, you know, a, I'll look at one of my benches, for example. If I got to drop like a Tyler Boyd, a Jonu Smith, a Chris Godwin, a John Brown, uh, you know, if I got to drop one of those guys to pick up AP, I'm not doing it. Um, but if you have an open spot because you can flex um, Swift into an IR spot and you need a running back for the week, I'd say Peterson's probably, you know, the best, most commonly available pickup. Yeah, and like uh, unless if you can see if you can get pick up um Kalen Balaj who's facing the Jets. Um Oh yeah. Yeah, pick yeah, him up. If, if yeah. Balaj is available, I would go Balaj over Adrian Peterson any day of the week. And like I said, it'll ultimately come into the depth that's available in your league. Yeah. Um but I think that um you know Peterson's a solid play. This is a Carolina defense, like I said, that we're seeing giving up a ton of ton of yards, a ton mm-hmm. of a ton of production to running backs, but that that Jets match up with Balaj is juicier. You know, we have him as a must pick up for a reason. Um, so I, if Balaj is available, I'd probably go him over Peterson. If not, then Peterson's, you know, not bad by any means. Yeah, well, there you have it, folks. You heard from the fantasy guru, Jake Perry. You can follow him on Twitter, Jake Perry 34 um, with a A in the name, not an E. Don't get it wrong. Um you can follow me on Twitter, AJDesai4, um, A-J-D-E-S-A-I-4, and we will talk to you on Tuesday next week. Stay home, indoors, and enjoy the at-home environment. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. See you guys.